Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those interested in the big and small moments of history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the birth of the drive-in movie theater. Open-air moviegoing became a fixture of American society in the 1950s, but the concept proved a little ahead of its time in the 1930s. The day was June 6, 1933. Billed as the first of its kind, Richard Hollingshead's Drive-In Theater opened in Camden, New Jersey. The opening night film was a 1932 British comedy called Wives Beware, or as it was known in the UK, Two White Arms. That not-quite-classic film was chosen because it had already briefly played in traditional theaters a few weeks earlier, meaning that the drive-in wouldn't be competing with indoor theaters by showing the same movie they were. Admission to the outdoor screening cost 25 cents per car, plus an additional 25 cents for each person, with no group paying more than a dollar total. That sounds like a bargain today, but at the time, it was actually a bit more expensive than indoor theater tickets. Still, many moviegoers felt the slightly higher price was worth it in exchange for the flexibility that came with watching a film outdoors. Seated inside their vehicles, viewers could eat, smoke, and talk amongst themselves without fear of disturbing their neighbors, 
and for the more amorous members of the viewing public, the privacy of an automobile had other benefits as well. The idea of showing movies outside was nothing new. Throughout the 1920s and into the early 30s, people frequently set up screens at beaches, parks, or other wide-open public places. Impromptu screenings like that were a simple enough prospect in the silent film era, as you didn't need to bother with any kind of complicated sound system. However, with the transition to talkies in the early 1930s, watching a film outside became too daunting a prospect for most people to bother with. If you wanted to hear a movie, which was the whole point of talkies after all, then an indoor theater was your one and only option. That changed in 1933, when an amateur inventor named Richard Milton Hollingshead Jr. became fixated on the idea of a permanent outdoor theater one where people could watch a movie from the comfort of their own car. At the time, Hollingshead was working at Wiz Auto Products, a company founded by his father to sell car detailing accessories, such as oils and polishes. His idea for a drive-in theater, or a park-in theater as he initially called it, was an unexpected extension of that family business. But Hollingshead's mother not only approved of the venture, she inspired it. Her son noticed that she had difficulty sitting in a movie theater for the full length of a film. When asked about it, she said the seats were too uncomfortable and that she wished they were more like the ones in her car. Hollingshead wagered that many other moviegoers felt the same way. After all, the United States was fast becoming a car-loving culture and many drivers wanted to spend as much time with their new rides as possible. Giving the public a new activity to enjoy in their trendy new vehicles seemed like a winning idea. Hollingshead set to work on the concept in the spring of 1933. Using a handful of cars, a Kodak projector, and a screen nailed to a tree, he experimented with different setups in his backyard, trying to ensure that every passenger would have a clear view of the screen. Over the course of several weeks, he settled on a stadium-like arrangement, with cars parked one behind another on a series of elevated ramps so that cars further back could still see over the ones in front. He continued tinkering with different viewing angles and speaker placements, and on May 16th, he received the first U.S. patent for a drive-in theater. Armed with the rights to his idea and a $30,000 investment, Hollingshead founded Park-In Theaters Incorporated and opened his first drive-in just three weeks later. Ahead of the opening, he spoke to the local Courier Post newspaper about what made his venture so special. He explained that, quote, Here, the whole family is welcome, regardless of how noisy the children are apt to be. That invitation was well received, as more than 600 people attended on opening night, filling every space in the nearly 400 car lot. People from more than 20 different states came out to see the first movie ever shown at a dedicated drive-in, and by the end of the summer, theater employees would record license plates from 23 more. Despite the successful opening night, the theater still had its problems. For one thing, many customers complained about the poor sound quality of the speakers. Hoping to replicate the sound of indoor theaters, Hollingshead had opted for an RCA system called Directional Sound. It featured three powerful speakers mounted around the perimeter of the screen, an arrangement that worked well inside buildings where the sound didn't have to travel very far. 
Outside, though, the setup created a Goldilocks effect, with spots closer to the screen being too loud, ones in the back being too quiet, and just a few prime spots in the middle where the volume was just right. There was an RCA factory right there in Camden, though, so Hollingshead reached out for a solution and eventually the company obliged by creating a new kind of speaker. Instead of having three large speakers blasting sound at top volume, the theater provided patrons with their own small speaker to mount to their car. Individual speakers quickly became the norm for drive-in theaters until later technology allowed for each car to play the movie's soundtrack through its built-in FM radio. Unfortunately, even with improvements to the sound, Hollingshead's theater failed to turn a profit and wound up closing after just three years. Still, the concept of the drive-in was too good to be forgotten, and it wasn't long before copycat theaters started springing up around the country. Hollingshead sued many of the owners on the strength of his patent, but the lawsuits dragged on for years and were eventually dismissed. The original patent expired in 1949, right in the middle of a post-war boom that fueled a sharp increase in car sales. With Americans spending more time in their cars than ever before, the 1950s became a golden age for the drive-in, for theaters and restaurants alike. At the peak of the craze, there were nearly 5,000 drive-in theaters nationwide. Hollingshead had indeed come up with a winning idea, just 20 years too early. In the second half of the 20th century, the rising cost of suburban real estate all but destroyed the drive-in business model. An indoor theater required a much smaller footprint than the sprawling lot of a drive-in, and with space at a premium, most theater investors, developers, and operators chose the cheaper, safer option. As a result, the U.S. is now home to about 5,000 indoor movie theaters, compared to just over 300 operating drive-ins. Those surviving screens enjoyed an unexpected revival during the COVID-19 pandemic, when the majority of indoor theaters were ordered to close for the better part of a year. The newfound relevance of drive-ins came with some heavy strings attached, but they wound up providing a much-needed escape for countless stressed-out families, both in the U.S. and at open-air theaters across the world. A trip to the drive-in was, once again, at long last, what everybody wanted. A little taste of normalcy. Even if it was the normalcy of the 1950s. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can send your feedback directly to me at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Special thanks to guest producers Joey Pat and Casey Pegram, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman, and Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at LightsOutXF.com, and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to LightsOutXF.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com.